0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios' Geekery in General podcast. I am Al, and today's episode is actually going to be a companion piece of sorts to an episode of Musically Challenged that I recently did with my friend and podcasting partner, Chad. In episode 129 of Musically Challenged, Chad and I discussed an album from KISS called Music from the Elder. So this is a companion piece to that episode. I do recommend taking a listen to that episode before listening to this one, just because it might make a little more sense if you learned a little bit more about the background of this album uh, before we discuss the, the topic today. Now, I have an honest sincere, non-ironic love for this album. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that do not share that opinion. So first, I'm just going to briefly touch on this album. Again, go and listen to Musically Challenged, episode 129. We go a little bit more into detail. But essentially, the 1981 album, Music from the Elder, was based on an idea by singer and bassist Gene Simmons. He had this idea to write a story, and he wanted to turn it into a concept album that would serve as the soundtrack for a movie. Unfortunately, the album was not very well received by the majority of KISS fans back in the day, Didn't do very well. Uh, If my memory serves me correctly, it's actually the worst or one of the worst selling Kiss albums. And the idea for turning it into a movie was scrapped. Also, it's important to touch a little bit on the hero's journey. I've already talked about the topic of the hero's journey. Go back to episode 97 for a more detailed explanation. But essentially what the hero's journey is... It was an interpretation of the monomyth by Joseph Campbell, most notably known for his work, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. The monomyth is essentially an idea that a certain type of myth takes many different forms, but generally follows the same patterns. And in the case of the heroic journey, the hero's journey, we take a look at a lot of the hero legends from around the world, And how the hero will accept a call to adventure. Sometimes they refuse it. And they'll usually be guided along the way by a mentor. They'll receive magical items or gifts to help them along their way. Usually there's a journey to the underworld involved. Sometimes there is a dragon battle involved. But after accomplishing all these tasks, the hero eventually emerges triumphant. Now, as I mentioned before, Gene Simmons had the idea to turn Music from the Elder into a movie. And if you are a big fan of this album, I would like to recommend a book. It's called Odyssey, The Definitive Examination of Music from the Elder. Kiss's cult classic concept album, written by Tim McFate and Julian Gill. You can buy a digital copy of it on Amazon for $9.99. And if you're willing to spend the money for a physical copy, uh, you, it does have hardcover and softcover versions available as well. Now, this book goes into a lot of its, the backstory behind the album. It talks about some of the events that led up to It talks about some of the recording sessions. It has a number of interviews with the people who worked on the album, though not really any of the band members themselves, and it also had an interview with a man named Brian Brewer. Back in 2000, Brewer won a copy of the script for The Elder at an auction, and he mentioned in the interview that there was also Kiss merchandise from some of their other albums as well. And the script was written by Russell and Jeffrey Marks. One interesting theory that came out during the interview is that the, ra- the writers may have tried to write scenes and characters based on lyrics from the song. For example, one of the characters in the script is a woman named Mira, and she lives on a mountain where stand the stallion and the mare, which calls back to a line from the song, Odyssey. The script starts hundreds of years before the present day. We're introduced to Blackwell and his chief henchman, Zirti. Now, I'm not sure how this name is supposed to be pronounced. It's spelled X-Y-T-E. So, again, since I have no idea how this is supposed to be pronounced, from here on out, we're just going to refer to him as X. X is described as being a wizard in service of the Elders. And according to Gene Simmons, the Elders are essentially a life form without body. And while they are benevolent, they are committed to the balance between good and evil. So X was a wizard in service of the Elder before he decided to switch sides and join up with Blackwell. He created an alternate world inside one of Blackwell's mirrors. He also managed to get a hold of a ring created by the Elders, which was in the shape of a rose and had a diamond in the center of it. As the story opens, Blackwell's castle is under attack. Blackwell tries escaping into his mirror, and he is stabbed in the back with a dagger. This causes him to drop the ring, and as it hits the floor... The diamond pops off and lands on the side of the portal where Blackwell is, and the ring stays in our world, and the portal closes. The story then moves on to the current day. Here we meet our hero Eric, a college student and aspiring Olympic gymnast. At this time, he is looking to join a fraternity. He gets a recommendation from a friend And as a part of his initiation, he needs to spend a night in a castle that is down the street from campus. Hmm. A college campus with an ancient castle down the street. Gee, how's that for plot convenience? Well, Eric decides he's going to sneak into the castle, which is now a museum. He joins a tour, but stays behind the group and falls down a staircase. So wait a sec. We have a guy who's supposed to be training to be an Olympic gymnast, and he falls down a flight of stairs. Okay, well, anyways, to continue, our hero finds himself in the mirror chamber, and lo and behold, the ring from the opening act is right there on the floor. He tries it on, and of course, it fits perfectly. For some reason, rubble falls from the ceiling and as Eric tries to avoid the falling rubble, he falls into a mirror and finds himself on the first alternate world that X created, the forest world. From here, the script cuts back to Blackwell and X. Now, in the interview, Brewer compares X to the Wicked Witch of the West, as he has his own flying creatures under his command. The script describes them as a cross between a dragon and a pterodactyl. The creatures see Eric and fly back to their master. X puts his hand on one of the creature's heads, which allows him to mentally see what the creature saw. X informs Blackwell that Eric has arrived. At this point in the interview, Brewer makes an interesting statement, and that Blackwell seems to be more like Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers series than a true villain. He's not really bloodthirsty, but he's still ruthless. Also, Blackwell doesn't really get a lot of screen time. His henchman actually does more of the work than he does. And it's also implied that this is where the song Mr. Blackwell would have been... ...and we that Blackwell would have been on a tour of his dungeons. So again, we're supposed to build it up that Blackwell's the villain... And, as the song says, he's should be banished from the human race, and he's just this horrible, awful person. Now, Brewer didn't specify exactly what happens in the forest world, but in order to escape, he needs to build a boat and sail it through a stormy sea, which calls back to a lyric in the song, Just a Boy, who sails the ship through the stormy sea. He meets up with some other characters, though again, Brewer doesn't give any details as to how they met. By the time they leave Forest World, Eric's party consists of the following members. First is Morpheus. He is described as Eric's caretaker and also a weapon maker. Jest is the next member. He is Blackwell's former jester and was banished when he overheard Blackwell's plans. He serves as comic relief and moral support, but sometimes comes out of nowhere and saves the day. Next is Tyler. He actually seems to be the most interesting of the characters, to be honest. He is described as a Han Solo-type character. He's a scoundrel, but loyal to those he considers his friends. The script also reveals that Morpheus previously worked with Tyler. The two of them had tried to overthrow Blackwell, but failed. Tyler also has two henchmen, Simon and Gamora, possibly a play on words meant to invoke Sodom and Gomorrah from the song Dark Light. Next is Mira. This is Blackwell's daughter, who, of course falls in love with the hero and is said to live on a mountain high somewhere uh, where stand the stallion and the mare. And then finally, there is also an elder named Kiser who joins joins the party. And it's implied that they may be invisible because at least at this point, Mira seems to be the only person who can see uh, Kiser. After leaving the forest world, they come to a place called the Space Roads, which appears to be a realm composed of roads in outer space. Mira loses the map to the Space Road, but fortunately, Kizer is able to help guide them through. During the journey, they encounter a mysterious orb, which uh, Brewer mentioned actually reminds him of the Lochnar from the movie Heavy Metal. Well, for some reason, Simon decides to touch the orb, and it spawns a duplicate of him. They fight, but in the end, one of the Simons is decapitated, and the other falls off the road and is lost to space. Gamora is also lost in the space roads, but Brewer doesn't specify how. So, with some of the plot holes we have here... I don't know if Brewer just maybe forgot to mention them during the interview or it's possible maybe he did interview them but the guy doing the interview may have cut out uh, some of the parts of the interview just for uh, brevity or it's possible that maybe this information wasn't in the copy of the script that he had. The next world they visit is called Hell's Flames. While there, they fight off one of X's monsters the Soul Keeper, which is implied to be a very powerful monster. However, the party manages to defeat it. During the battle, Kiser confronts the beast, and since he is an elder, he makes the Soul Keeper realize it can't harm him. So, Kiser and the Soul Keeper make an uneasy truce. The party moves on to the next world, the Snow World. They are saved from freezing to death by a man named Nicholas which I wonder if this was supposed to be a play on Saint Nick, considering, well, he's associated with Santa Claus, who also lives someplace where it's cold. Nicholas informs the heroes that he is a sorcerer, but the only spell he's learned is basically one that allows him to duplicate items. So the party gives him what weapons they have, which are described as being medieval weapons, swords, daggers, bows, arrows and Nicholas duplicates them. Tyler notices a staff on Nicholas's wall, which he realized belonged to X. Tyler has a flashback, and when it is done, he accuses Nicholas of being one of X's allies. Nicholas admits he once studied under X, but was banished for heresy and wants revenge. Apparently, Tyler accepts this, and Nicholas helps them to the next world called the Kingdom. Along the way, they are attacked by X's flying creatures. Morpheus and Kesar are kidnapped. And unfortunately, Nicholas freezes to death before they can reach the portal. When they finally reach the Kingdom, they meet up with some of Tyler's old gang and are joined by a character named Solomon. And at this point, they interview Brewers like another character, and and he even thinks that you know the one of the problems with the script is that they introduced too many characters. As they storm Blackwell's castle, there's a flashback scene showing how the villain would execute his enemies. Blackwell kept a monster in a pit, and when he wanted to execute someone, they would be put in stocks and lowered in. The monster would eat the victim alive. And when the stocks came back up, only the arms would remain. Keezer is captured, put into the stocks, and lowered into the pit. Which, I find it odd because, again, uh, it was implied earlier that not everyone can see an elder. So how they were able to do this, I don't know. But anyways, meanwhile... Tyler has been injured, but still manages to overpower a guard and take his uniform. Morpheus, who was also taken prisoner, is shown as being in a cell. Eric, Myra, Solomon, and Tyler are getting ready to attack. During the final battle, Eric is captured. The villains raise the stock from the execution pit, but the stocks are empty. Remember, usually all that was left of the victim were his arms but Eric is put into the stocks and lowered into the pit. As expected, keys escaped being eaten and confronts X. The Soul Keeper makes an appearance and kills its creator. Meanwhile, as Eric is being lowered into the pit, he has his Use the Force moment. He uses his talent in gymnastics to escape the stocks. After escaping certain doom, he finds and kills Blackwell. He takes the diamond from the Blackwell's crown and places it in the ring. It then cuts to the present where we see members of the fraternity Eric wanted to join in the castle looking for him. They find the mirror chamber and see Eric in the mirror. The song I plays and the credits roll. Brewer notes that the script does cue where certain songs may have been played. As I mentioned, a uh, I would have been used for the end credits, which I can see working. A World Without Heroes would have been used for the opening scene. The Oath would have been used for when Eric realizes what he needs to do. Dark Light would have been used when they entered the space roads. Just a Boy would have been played as Eric sailed across the sea, again referring to a lyric from the song. And Mr. Blackwell may have been used when the character was touring his dungeon. So, would this movie have worked? Honestly, I don't think it would have worked in conjunction with the album. Mainly because the album leads us to believe that the boy is much younger. Probably a teenager, where the movie makes him out to be a college student. Certainly far older than being just a boy. Now, there was an attempt to make a film loosely based on the concept, but not necessarily the album itself. In 2012, a musician and writer named Seb Hunter attempted to make a film called The Elder, which would have been a loose adaptation of the Kiss album. Hunter's vision set the story in a post-apocalyptic Britain. He described it as a combination of Excalibur, The Road, and 28 days. The story takes place 10 years after most of the population has been wiped out by a virus that was accidentally released by the Blackwell Corporation. This virus was said to be similar to the H1N1 flu, which had occurred in 2009, so not too much before the when Seb Hunter tried to create his script. However, we find out the corporation released the virus on purpose. The head of the corporation is described as a combination of Hitler, Mugabe, and Joseph Mengele, who wants to create a race of genetically perfect people. He plans to use Southeast England as his breeding ground. Since there's no centralized government, the corporation takes control and sets up a laboratory on the Isle of Rite. Blackwell establishes himself as the head of a new religion, with order kept by a group of roving priests. Most of the population lives in heavily fortified towns. The priests tend to the needs of the people, as well as bringing them weapons and medicine. They also warn them to be wary of freaks, who are people who live in the countryside and are not citizens under Blackwell's protection. Another duty of the priests is to occasionally take some citizens away from their homes, telling them that they have been chosen and they are going to the Isle of Wright to receive a reward. Presumably, they are probably just going there to be experimented on. One of the priests is named Father Morpheus, He has known our protagonist, the boy, for several years and is instructed to take him from his home. As they leave the boy's town, we find that Father Morpheus is really not loyal to Blackwell, but is actually part of a group called the Order of the Rose. His mission is to re-educate the boy, presumably to overthrow Blackwell. Hunter explained the reason he decided to take this approach is because he knew with the budget he would likely have, trying to do a sword and sorcery movie, such as the kind that were popular back in the early 80s, would have been impractical. He didn't want the movie to look like a shoddy fan film. His budget was estimated to be £30,000, which is equivalent to a little over 37500 U.S. dollars in today's money. Now, since this was, you know, back around 2012, the exact dollar amount may have been different than what it would have been worth today. Honestly, I think his vision would have worked. The trailer is up on YouTube, and most of the trailer shows the characters in the countryside or abandoned urban areas... So I think he may have been able to pull it off with that budget because, you know, again, that the amount of money he wanted for the film, pretty small, I would imagine, even by independent film standards. Also, it's interesting to note that in the trailer, Blackwell, or at least a character that I assume is Blackwell, compares the outbreak that kills off most of the population to Noah and the biblical flood. Now, you might be wondering, how would I have written the script to go along closer to the album? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. Now, I would have actually stuck to the modern day instead of doing multiple periods like in the original script. First, I do like the idea of Blackwell being hundreds of years old. So, I would keep that aspect of the character and make him a reoccurring evil that comes back every now and then. I would keep with the idea of making the boy younger. I would put him at about 15, maybe 16 years old, somewhere around there. I would also keep the name Eric as a reference to the original script and to the late drummer, Eric Carr. Our hero would be a hopelessly average boy. Not physically weak, but not overly athletic. He's intelligent, but not quite a prodigy, and is not exceptionally gifted in any particular field, but he has a kind heart and is willing to help out others in need. I would not have introduced as many characters as the original script had. I would have kept Myra and made her one of Eric's classmates. She would be the girl that Eric always had a crush on, but was always too shy to ask out something that I think a lot of people can relate to. I would also make her athletic and a skilled martial artist. Perhaps one of the reasons Eric is so afraid to approach her is because he thinks a tough girl like her would have no interest in a normal, unexceptional person like himself. I would also keep the Tyler character. I would make him Myra's older brother. I liked the Han Solo personality from the original script, so I would keep that as well. However, I would have left out Jest, Tyler's henchman Solomon, and Keezer. I would have the movie open with the songs Fanfare and The Oath. We would start with a dream sequence, with Fanfare playing in the background, and Eric comes to an ancient door. As he opens it, The Oath plays, and Eric witnesses a great disaster unfold. And he gets scared, of course, and runs away. We would then fade to the real world where we see Eric is on a school field trip to a museum where he sees an artifact that resembles a puzzle piece with a symbol on it. He realizes he saw that symbol in his dream the other night. On his way home from school that afternoon, he is attacked by bullies and humiliated. But Myra comes to his aid. The next song would be Just a Boy. This would be Eric dealing with his feelings of self-doubt after being humiliated and bullied. He wishes he could be tough, he wishes he could be a hero, and he aspires to something greater but just doesn't think he has the potential. Later that night, we would see a thief breaking into the museum and stealing the artifact that Eric was looking at. The next song Mr Blackwell would of course be introducing the villain i would make him the head of a corporation and as we meet him he would be in a press conference denying that his company is guilty of polluting a small town's water supply in order to avoid of disposing their industrial waste properly after he leaves the meeting he talks to one of his advisors During the conversation, we learned that not only is Blackwell guilty of ordering the improper disposal of toxic waste, but he's also fighting several other lawsuits involving unsafe working conditions and other unethical practices. Again, we're trying to paint Blackwell as being this horrible, rotten, terrible person that we're not supposed to feel any empathy with whatsoever. The thief who broke into the museum brings the artifact before Mr. Blackwell. Bud is then beaten up by a couple of Blackwell's goons and dragged away to an uncertain fate. Blackwell takes the artifact to a private room and places it on an altar next to several similar artifacts. As the pieces come together, they start to glow, and Blackwell utters a cryptic phrase about how the time is near. Well, from here we might have a montage where we would see strange things happen, such as unusual weather, blood dripping from religious artifacts, and general uneasy things like that. The next song, Only You, would describe the meeting between Morpheus and Eric. This is where Eric is told of his destiny, but he flees as he doesn't think he's up to the task. Well, since Eric has refused his calling... Blackwell manages to complete his ritual as the song Dark Light plays. We find out that he has obtained other similar puzzle pieces, and when placed together they form a disc. However, there is still a piece missing in the center. However, he has managed to complete enough of the ritual where a great evil is unleashed and devastates the world. I would probably introduce the Tyler character here, He rescues Eric from danger and informs him that Myra has been taken by Blackwell and is going to be used as a sacrifice to complete his ritual. The next song would be A World Without Heroes. Eric has survived the disaster and sees the world in ruins. While surveying the carnage, he realizes that he can't turn away from his destiny. Tyler and Eric seek out Morpheus and Eric is brought before the Order of the Rose. The song Under the Rose would queue up as he is initiated. Like any good hero going on a journey, he will be given gifts to help him on his way. I would probably use a sword and either a ring or a necklace. And since Tyler is going to be helping him, he'll receive a little something-something as well. The next song will be Escape from the Island. Tyler... Eric and Morpheus make their way to Blackwell's private island, Stronghold. Tyler and Morpheus distract the guards while Eric saves Myra. The four make their escape to confront Blackwell. I would use the song The Oath Again for the climactic battle in which our four heroes confront Blackwell and defeat him. But as Blackwell falls, he places a bloody hand on the disc, causing it to glow. A gate opens in the sky, and we see an entity that resembles something out of the Lovecraft universe. However, Eric realizes what he needs to do. He takes the trinket the elders give to him, and it fits perfectly in the center of the disc. With the artifact now complete, Eric has the ability to control it. We would cue the song Odyssey, as this is where Eric uses the power of the disc to close the gate. He reverses the damage done by Blackwell, and the world returns to normal. Eric realizes that the disc can't be allowed to fall into the wrong hands. So he strikes it with the sword, causing both the sword and the disc to crumble into dust. Morpheus comments that his work is now done and leaves the group. As Tyler, Eric, and Myra leave the building, they realize no one else is aware of what happened. And later, we find out that Blackwell's corporation goes bankrupt after news that its CEO mysteriously disappeared. As the story ends, Eric finally works up the courage to ask Myra on a date. The song I plays and the end credits roll. Now, since post credit scenes are all the rage... I would include one of those as well. So, after the credits are done, we would go to a scene that takes place 80 or 90 years later. We see an archaeological dig site. A hand clears some debris away from a pile, revealing the part of the puzzle disc that we saw at the beginning of the film. The hand picks it up, and we see a smiling Mr. Blackwell. Because, again, as I said before, I did like the idea of Mr. Blackwell being hundreds of years old. And I would put him as this reoccurring evil that needs to be defeated again. Because, as it says in the song, only you, in every age and every time, a hero is born as if by some grand design. So, while the hero will need to return, unfortunately, so will the villain. So there you have it. That's my idea for how I personally would make a script based on music from the Elder. Okay, so some of it might be a little bit cliched and sort of adheres to the hero's journey. But I hope you found it interesting. And I also hope you uh, enjoyed hearing a little bit about what the original script for the Elder movie would have been like, as well as what another person's interpretation of the story would have been. So as always, I hope you enjoyed the show and until next time, stay safe from the current virus going around and y'all have a wonderful day. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Games Studio.